You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Okay, well, it's my, my privilege to um, welcome Mike Betts. Um, Mike really fathers our family of churches in a great way, along with Morris, who you know well, uh, part of our church, and Steph Liston. And it's just great for churches to not be isolated. We're not in it on our own. We're part of a family of churches. And it's so necessary for us to be part of the big picture, which I know that you're going to get a hold of this afternoon as Mike speaks to us. So can I just encourage us as Mike comes up now, let's give him a big Hope Church welcome as he comes to share God's word with us. Well, it's a joy to be with you. And uh, I trust God's going to help us this morning as we just uh, look together at Word. If you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 4, I just want to give a little bit of time this morning to speak about courage, and uh, particularly acts of courage. And this chapter, we find in Acts chapter 4 that the disciples have been arrested, they've been interrogated, they've been intimidated, there's uh, a push on them not to speak anymore, not to preach anymore, they're being, you know, under, they're being put under a lot of pressure that any, any person, any one of us in this room would find quite intimidating, quite uh, oppressive really, they're feeling naturally, they would be naturally quite fearful but we find this quite extraordinary verse in verse 13 where uh, Peter's response to their uh, intimidation in verse 8 says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So he began to then speak. He began to sort of preach back at them and, and make a defense to them. And in verse 13 it says, those who were persecuting, now when they saw the boldness, or some versions say courage, let's use that word, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Father, help us this morning to understand the transforming power that is possible by the presence, indwelling, and infilling of the Holy Spirit. And on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray that in this time together, fresh outpourings of the Spirit would come upon us, and that we would cause people to be astonished, because they know that we've been with Jesus. We ask you to help us with these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's something very powerful about that verse, because it says to me that God intends us to live for him, to witness for him, to take steps for him, to make choices for him that are not born out of our own natural resources. We are, we are supposed to be those that live in dependency on him. As a church, you are on a journey into a new building project. You are very dependent on God at the moment, aren't you? Because you think, I don't know, Lord, help, big help. Yeah? Or if you don't think like that, you don't know what's coming. Right? You're on a, you're on a journey that's making you very dependent. God has opened a door for you, a tremendous door, and I want to applaud you and encourage you, uh, encourage you for your courage uh, and for the leaders taking you through that door. It is exactly where God wants you to be, not because of the building, but because you've put yourself in a place where you're dependent on God for him to do something. A church flourishes in that environment. 
an individual Christian will flourish if we live where we're always having to rely on God turning up or we're in trouble. That's the normal way the Christian life should, uh, should work. Now, courage like that doesn't mean we should then be fretful. Biblical courage actually is matched in equal measure by biblical peace. It, the peace of God enables us to be very courageous for him, even though naturally we would be somewhat intimidated. So what I want to try and do just in the, the, the moments we've got this morning is to try to encourage you perhaps about the bigger picture and steps of courage that we as a family of churches are taking. We don't, as churches, get chance to be all together at any one point. The enough evenings are very helpful for that, to make us contribution to that, because we get to pray for lots of different things and see videos about what's happening in different places. But there's something perhaps encouraging just to hear some stories about what is happening and the courage that's beginning to be demonstrated across the family of churches. And to encourage you also, as I've just said about your building project, and I can see clearly the momentum of God here uh, in the life of the church. I don't have to be a prophet to see that. It's obvious that God, the wind is, is in your sails, and that's, that's, a good, that's good. Put the sails up when God is blowing. All right? Catch every, every wind of the Spirit, every movement of God, and I believe you're doing that. And then I'd like to just try and drill it down into some personal application, because a movement of churches or a family of churches or even a local church is only going to be what God wants it to be if every single person in it signs up to courage, signs up to saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be a man or woman of courage so that people, when they see how I'm living, there's an astonishment that comes to them, not because they think, wow, what an incredible person but because they think, wow, what has God done in your life that makes you like this, able to be like this? I want to live that kind of Christian life, don't you? Yeah. I, want, I want to live a life that's different, that marks me out from those around me, something that's obviously different, not just because I've got some intellectual, philosophical, theological things I believe, but because there's something dynamically different about my life that makes, a, makes an impact when they saw that these men had been with Jesus. It was something they saw. Not, it wasn't that they were very eloquent, although obviously the Holy Spirit helped them to speak with, with clarity and power and an authority, but it was, it, was a, it was a visible thing. When they saw these people had been with Jesus, they were touched by it. So just to talk about the bigger picture for a, a, a little while, we've been working on our sort of uh, vision statement um, where we, we want to uh, say that we're, we're, we're together we preach Christ and plant and strengthen churches to the ends of the earth. That's what we're about as a family of churches. We, we started to articulate our vision. We said our vision is to be globally fruitful, crossing all boundaries to reach the nations, make disciples, and plant locally-led churches. Now, all, the reason we plant churches is not an end in itself. Churches should be planted because people are coming to Christ. That's the way round it is. The vision isn't to plant churches the vision is to reach people with the gospel when you reach people with the gospel you inevitably have to plant churches because they need to be in local communities of believers which is why when Jesus gave the great commission to the disciples he said go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, teach them everything I've taught you they instinctively planted churches why because they led many people to the Lord and they had to then do something with them Church planting is not the engine, it is the fruit of the engine. The engine is preaching the gospel. 
Every single one of us is called to be a witness and a preacher of the gospel. And the way we then harvest the fruit, the way we then put the fruit into sort of context where the fruit can produce then more fruit is to plant lots of churches. So it's a, it's a biblically led uh, uh, vision, we believe, that to plant locally led churches. So then we started to sort of drill into that a bit and think, well, what might that look like? If we could imagine what that might look like, what would be a really... What do we feel God has begun to say to us? And we, we felt there was a prophetic thing, on the next slide please, where we felt God said we must believe that we could expect to achieve more in 20 years than many have in 50. We honestly believe that Lord was, I want to do something that is so uh, much more than you on your own could possibly achieve. I love the quote from John Haggai where he says, unless your vision is humanly impossible, it's not of God. I think that's really helpful because if we, could, if we set a vision that we could achieve, well, we don't actually need God, do we? But to actually say, no, Lord, I believe you're saying something that will require you to move and do something, I think that's biblical. So we started to then drill into that a bit more and say, well, what would that look like? We started to think about the global uh, uh, picture and we came up with this thing of imagining us establishing five multiplying churches in each continent of the world by 2030. That's a big step. But what's uh, encouraging at the moment is, across the family of churches, what we're noticing happening is that uh, either people who've come from other nations and found Christ and then been, uh, become part of our churches, or people who've grown up locally in our churches and now feeling a call to the nations there's beginning to come a blowing of the Spirit, a bit like the dandelion seeds. There's beginning to come a blowing of the Spirit when different people are now finding themselves carried on the breeze of the Spirit to far-flung places, different continents, places that we didn't even have on our agenda. And God is landing people in different places, and either through business or family or a sense of God calling them. And they're beginning to say, do you know what? I feel God, by His grace, might help us to just plant a church so can we have a go at that and so there's this sort of little seedbed of things in different nations there's some uh, wonderful examples of that that uh, is happening and also God is beginning to connect us with people in nations who are looking for to build our kind of church life they're looking for biblical values they look at they're finding their hearts connected with us there's one particular guy I can't even tell you which nation he's in because it's a very closed nation with where being a Christian is, is illegal. And the Spirit of God's been at work in and through him and his wife and their co-workers for a number of years now. And they're seeing many people come to Christ. They're, they're seeing lots of things happening, lots of cities in their, their very close nation. And God is connecting us relationally to help build and encourage them in what they do. And they're bringing their skills and relationship into what we are. The point is, God, when he gives you a vision like that, God can start to do things that humanly you can't do on your own. You just prayerfully say, Lord, we, we, we give you all that we are, but you're going to need to give us courage. You're going to need to give us supply. You're going to have to do something in us so that this becomes a reality. And praise God, it's just beginning to start happening. And the next uh, way we put into it is to look at the UK. And we, want, we said we want to stimulate. Imagine a stimulating, a fresh wave of church planting into the UK cities, towns and villages so that there's a hundred more churches in our, in our family in the UK by 2040. That's a big step. 
That's a big goal. It's, it's slightly audacious. That's a big thing. But what we're finding, surprise, surprise, is that God seems to be bringing a whole new generation through. And he's also releasing some people from into early retirement and relocation and being able to have self-funding. There's numbers of people in our ranks beginning to say, do you know what? We want a new adventure. Or we want a first one, depending on how old they are. There are, there are numbers of people beginning to say, we want to... Uh, consider moving. We want to be part of church planting. There are numbers of churches beginning to plant more sites or plant churches out from where they are. God is beginning to stir something among us. And um, just even myself and Sue, my wife, we're just uh, believing God has asked us to spend a little bit of our time rhythmically now in London and we believe God just began to speak to us about that. And um, even, to be honest, we don't really quite know why. It's just one of those things God said, I want you in London. So we've, we think we've found somewhere now that we can sort of have a little bit of a base and just go down sort of regularly, just be there, just to be amongst some of the church planting that we're doing down there. So I'm trying to sort of say, well, Lord, you know, we're available to do what we can do. We're available for you to use us as best as we can. Sometimes you have to just go without knowing. You have to just be, do the first step and then God does some, some things with you. What you have done in taking your first step with the building, don't think that the building is the end. The building is the foundation for the beginning of the next wave of what God is going to do with you missionally. It's an engine room. It's a furnace. It's, a, it's going to become a hub uh, a beehive of activity where people are going to be coming and going and all kinds of things are going to be pollinating across many nations. It is never a fortress. It is a deployment aircraft carrier. Right? It's, not a, it's not a fortress where we batten down the hatches and wait for Jesus to return. It is a sending place. And, but it won't be a sending place if individually we don't say, Lord, here am I, send me. Do something in me that's beyond my own personal ability. And then we... Uh, thought about the nations of Europe, and we, we wanted to imagine something audacious and bold for that. And so we said, imagine if we had 20 churches in each of the other 50 European nations by 2050. Now, this is off the scale. And we think, my goodness, how on earth would we ever achieve that? Well, Morris is over there this weekend doing some of it. So I said, hurry up, Morris, do a bit more. Uh, there's, there's lots to do. But even Morris, on a very fast pedal bike, will not be able to come anywhere near that. This is about a movemental change. This is about something that is a DNA that has to get into all of us because it becomes dependent on the many, not on the few. There's a change that happens. And I think uh, one of the reasons we've gone for um, uh, sort of getting it out there as a statement is um, Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, when they launched their vision, I think it was back in 1990-something, to have, uh, by 2025, their vision was to have a, uh, a translation project underway in every language on the earth, which was a huge vision. Um, and they're, some, you know, they're on the way towards it. And when people said to them, why have you set yourselves an almost impossible task? And the answer was, if you set the vision where you're going, then all the resources, the clarity of thought, the decision-making process, the alignment of energy goes towards the thing that you have set yourselves to do. We don't mind if we don't quite achieve any of this. I'd be happy if we get halfway to it, because even that would be extraordinary. 
But the fact is, when you set a, a vision that you feel God has somehow given you faith for, it somehow galvanizes your energies. It focuses your attention. It makes you think, no, Lord, by your grace, I want you to do something in us, like you did in these people, that although they were ordinary Uh, uneducated, common people, there was an astonishment at what they said and they did. I want to live like that, so that there's no other explanation for God did this. I want to get to the end of my life and people perhaps look at what we did as a family of churches and say, I have no idea how that lot did this. I want to live like that, don't you? So that it's not explainable. It cannot be explained. And the only way we're going to do that is for the Holy Spirit, not just to indwell us, but to infill us. There's something that has to happen from heaven to us where we come with our little attempts at putting a vision together and say, Father, we give you our best. Will you blow upon our lives by your Holy Spirit and transform us? And I believe that by the grace of God, he can do that. And what we've set as almost unimaginable goals, we will see God doing extraordinary things in these coming days. And you get to be a part of that. As a church, I think that's worth living for, don't you? I think that's worth saying, Lord, I'm in. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to be part of this. I want to be someone of courage. When we went to uh, our leadership conference last year in London and called it the Courage Conference, there, there, there's a theme uh, you'll notice. And um, we believe that God spoke to us about actually creating a culture across the family of churches that was a culture of courage. Because when that culture takes root, then actually things you never thought would be possible begin to start breaking out in front of you. You get a sort of a pioneering missionary zeal that comes into the ranks of everybody, and uh, the kingdom of God starts to break out through every single one of us. It no longer becomes the gifted one or two that everybody somehow sees on a platform and occasionally hears good news from. No, this is about a movement of people something starts to actually take place. And God challenged us that we had been having our leadership conferences in Norwich, which was familiar ground to us. We got the building there for free. We could just, you know, house it all. It was all, inside. It was all very convenient and all very safe and, and great. But God said to us, I want you in the heart of London, which is not cheap. Believe me, it, 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 it was a step we said, why, you know, Lord, why? I did think to myself, Lord, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It was simply obedience. I thought, no, God has said it. I've got to do it. And as a result, I think something got into us. Those of us who were there as leaders across the churches, we went, perhaps many of you were there as well. Something just got into us to say, no, we're in the capital of our, city, uh, capital of our nation. And God wanted to sort of make us bigger on the inside and to believe, no, even through ordinary people, ordinary common people, God can begin to do something that is amazing. I believe that. I believe that. Right? You're ordinary people, but God can do something amazing through you. And so we, we put ourselves into that, into that environment to say we want to be out of our comfort zone. We want to place ourselves in response to the Spirit into things where we, we don't know the end answer. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to work financially. We don't know what's going to happen, but we feel God's filled us with his Spirit to take bold steps of courage in, obedience, in simple obedience to him. And out of that, we started to then think about this whole thing of acts of courage. And um, we've just started to, just to drill it now into 
personal application. We started to, across the churches, encourage churches. Now, there's a, there's a whole web page uh, devoted to Acts of Courage. And we're trying to say to churches, why don't you know, as churches begin to stimulate a culture of courage amongst your church. So you celebrate when people actually take steps of courage. You hear stories. You hear of breakouts of things. You think, wow, something's happening among us that's not being coordinated from the, the leadership. This is, this is a cultural change that's taking place. And so we're starting to define, well, what actually does an act of courage look like? Well, it's different for every single one of us. For some of us this morning, it might be your act of courage might be to pray out loud for the first time in your life group. It might be to come up to the front on a Sunday morning with a word that you feel from God and you've never shared publicly before and you're trembling and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Because the thing is, biblical courage doesn't take away fear. What it does is it gives you the grace to overcome fear and still do it anyway. Biblical courage doesn't take away your natural disposition. It doesn't change you from an introvert to an extrovert or a, a, a timid person to, to a, a bold person, risk-taking entrepreneur. All it does is put, you, put the Spirit of God within you so you do things God tells you to do, regardless of how you're feeling. It's a, it's a, from, it's a thing from God from the inside that bursts out. I've even heard of people who, go to the, uh, who, well, who don't go to the enough nights because they've said, oh, I, I couldn't go to the enough prayer meeting because I might have to pray out loud. And I'm a bit intimidated about doing that. No, I, I get that. I get that. Actually, if we ask many people, how do you feel about praying out loud or sharing your testimony or sharing your faith with someone at work? Many people would be really scared. Many of you perhaps feel a bit intimidated. An act of courage says, Lord, I'm going to do, I'm going to take the opportunity you give me and I'm going to do it with the power of the Spirit. Something within me will not be constrained by my own natural personalities or limitation or, or, or natural um, disposition. Sharing your faith with someone for the first time. I don't know, just going into the supermarket and saying, Lord, give me a word for someone here. And then having the courage around the biscuit aisle to see someone with their trolley and, and you sense God saying something. You're having the courage to say, now, am I going to do this? Can I do this? Or would the Holy Spirit say, yeah, I can help you. I can help you. It's living on the edge a bit, isn't it? It's living just on that edge. We think, well, that's for the evangelists to do. No, it isn't. It's for all of us to do. Every single one of us. I could fill a book with all my attempts that have not been very good. I really could. But I've had a go and I want to keep having a go. And sometimes when you do hit the bullseye, you think, hey, come on, Lord. It's tremendous. But I want to keep having a go and having courage to step out into things that are not naturally what my disposition would be. To say, Holy Spirit, make me your witness. Make me your witness. For some of you, it might mean moving to another nation to plant a church. For some of you, it might be actually staying and being like the, the building blocks here as you see the church grow and grow and grow. Sacrificial, big decisions, not saying yes to that promotion that will take you to another city because you believe, no, I'm here and I'm willing to live on less money because God's called me to be a rock in this church. That's a courageous step. <coughs> It may be that 
courage for you looks like trusting God through an illness or a long-term health issue or through a family challenge that you just been going on for months and months and years and years and you can't see a way through you pray others have prayed there's just no breakthrough but in the middle of it you keep trusting in the goodness of God and you keep serving him knowing that he will be your provider that's courage that's courage most of the when you read Christian biographies of men and women who've done extraordinary things for God. You will never find one, I've never found one yet, that does not have that kind of resilience and grit and determination in it, where people kept going when they felt like giving up. That's just as much courage as sharing your testimony in the supermarket or planting a church. People have got enough guts to say, I'm going to keep going. By the Spirit of God, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to throw away my confidence. Spirit of God, help me. Paul, when you read his letters, he's saying, God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, I know this will turn out for my deliverance. I know he will lead me. I know he will help me. There's courage in the man. It's not all about easy paths. Courage is required for what we're involved in. This is a hostile world that is not, not receptive to the gospel. The reason these people were amazing is because they were being uh, oppressed. And the Spirit had to do something in them that broke them out of their ordinariness. To help them rise above the culture they were in. We need that kind of a move of God, don't we? We need something within us that's not just human. Not just, well, we've got a few opinions about this and we've got a philosophy that's slightly different from yours. Let's sit down and talk about it. No, we need power. We need power that makes a difference when we speak because the Spirit of God falls on people and works through us. Courage for you might look like working through a difficult marriage issue where you just can't get on together and it's been months, maybe years of the same thing. You're trying and trying and trying. Courage might be, no, God, give us, give us, give us grace to be different, grace to find a way through this. Courage for you might be forgiving someone who's wronged you, letting go of the ammunition, keeping quiet under provocation. Instead of firing the bullets or throwing the stones at the person who deserves it because they've done wrong and they have mistreated you, that you just make a decision before God, by the Spirit of God, you make a decision to be as Jesus was. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. You drop the ammunition. That's courage. That's courage. To look like you've bottled it. To look like you're not going to fight for yourself. That, that's courage to turn the other cheek. That, that's not human. That's not what people do. But it is what the Holy Spirit does. That's what courage could look like for you. We started to encourage in, in my local church. We started to encourage people to tell us their stories. To, to take steps of courage. And... Uh, one guy in our church, um, he felt God say to him, I want you to write a letter to everybody in your road. I want you to, to send a letter to everybody in your road. It was quite a long road. There was a lot of, lot of people, a lot of photocopying involved. Not an individual letter to everyone, but a letter copied and put through everyone's door. Which is what he did. He wrote this letter, which I'll read to you in a minute. Put it in an envelope, put it through everybody's door in his road. Let me read you what he wrote to his neighbours. My name's Jimmy Clark, and I'm a neighbour. I live at number 36 with my wife Emma and our two sons. 
couple of years ago, I was feeling unwell, so my doctor sent me to the James Paget Hospital for some tests. They sent me an appointment, and I went thinking I was going to get some tablets for a stomach ulcer. But I was met by a doctor and three nurses who told me I had cancer. They told me that I would need to have powerful chemo, and after chemo, they would remove all of my stomach and some of my esophagus. I was told that life would be very different after surgery and that I'd have to get used to a new way of life which they called my new normal. I was devastated, not only because I'm young, but because I'm a husband and a father to to an amazing wife and two amazing kids, who I completely adore. I've also been self-employed as a musician ever since I was 17, back when I joined the Lee Vasey Band in the late 90s. Since then, I've toured the world playing bass for Bjorn Again, living in a box and Il Devo, I've worked for Simon Cowell, and I've spent the last 10 years playing for Gloria Gaynor. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to play or tour again. I was gutted as I sat reading through the endless Macmillan leaflets the nurses gave me. And as you can imagine, I was super scared about my future, my family, and everything that we would have to face. Amazingly, something changed. The worry and fear that seemed so deeply anchored to my soul went away. I was completely filled with peace, but not just peace, also hope. Hope for a very uncertain future, and more importantly, hope for my family. I go to Lowestoft Community Church, and I have lots of friends who pray, and they prayed for me, and it was after they prayed that I was completely filled with peace. My fear left, and I was filled with hope. If I did feel scared, I'd just text someone from the church, and as they prayed, the peace and hope would come back. I know this sounds a bit weird and a bit mad, but it's true. It's now two years on and I'm completely cancer-free. Whoop! Exclamation mark. I've been completely discharged from the NNN. Yes, I lost my stomach and half of my esophagus, like the doctor said, but my new normal is actually better than the old normal. I've been back working full-time for the last 16 months, and last year was financially the best year I'd had in years. I put this down to the prayer I received, and also knowing there's a God who could see me, and not just see me, but wanted to help me and not punish me. It was this that got me through. You know if you see a great movie, hear a great band, or hear a funny joke, you want to tell someone about it. I've sent this letter to everyone on Laurel Road, as I believe if someone does something good for you, you should pay it forward. So I wanted to write to tell you that prayer gave me peace. I just wanted to say, if you're going through something difficult or know someone who is, I'd love to pray. I'm not a weird religious guy. I'm a bass player who grew up and still lives in Kirkley. I won't hassle you or knock on your door, but you can knock on my door or send a note through. You can even send a note anonymously if you want. I'm on Facebook as Jimmy Clark too if you want to message me on there. If you feel that this is not for you, please feel free to file this letter in the bin. Many thanks, Jimmy Clark. That is amazing. And I thought, what a tremendous example of courage in action. Not just to live through the journey of the cancer, but to actually say under you know, the prompting of the Spirit, I'm going to write to all my neighbours. No, he's had quite a lot of um, feedback from his neighbours. He's led to some conversations and some different things I haven't got time to go into. But the point I'm making this morning is every single one of us here 
if we're willing, God will start to give our own kind of stories and journeys like that. Imagine if this room, we all did something courageous in a response to the Spirit's prompting. You wouldn't have time on a Sunday for the feedback. I want to live like that, don't you? Now, it doesn't mean that we're always kind of every day, you know, living like on some adrenaline rush. It just means that we learn the rhythms of God so that when he prompts us, we're willing to take steps that are naturally beyond our human capabilities. That is how this church will flourish and begin to impact this town. That is how this church will begin to see nations uh, affected and churches being planted. That is how you as individuals will begin to have many stories about people coming to Christ or being healed or being touched because you individually were willing to say, I'm going to take a step of courage, even with my knocking knees and trembling heart, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit fill me and guide me and direct me to do things that I wouldn't have done unless he'd infilled me. Are you up for that kind of adventure? Really serious question, because otherwise church is not only incredibly boring, but nothing ever happens. Nothing's going to change. Nothing will change unless you and I say, here I am, Lord, this is all you've got. This is all you've got, but I'm willing... I'm an ordinary, uneducated, common man or woman. But Lord, I've been with you. I've been with you. And even those that would be much cleverer than me, much more gifted than me, will be astonished at what you can do through me. I I want to be part of a church like that. I want to be part of a community like that. So story after story after story. Who knows how many stories there could be next week and the week after if people at work, you see them unwell, you say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, but, you know, I've seen God heal people, how, how would you feel if I just prayed for you? I mean, it's, it's very difficult, but God can do something through us if we just say, no, I'm up for that. Yeah? But I just want to give you one practical thing you can do, which I'd really, really like to encourage you to do. Now, I'm doing this, my wife's doing this, we're just, we're just encouraging everyone in Relational Mission to think about this. It won't be something everybody can do, but many of us can do. Planting churches costs a lot of money, it really does. And you've got a big building project, there's lots of things that, that rightly your tithes and your main offerings come into the church here. And we don't want to distract from that at all, that's absolutely the season you're in. But this Relational Mission grassroots giving initiative... Um, where just for £5 a month, a bit like a magazine subscription with no magazine, right? you can sign up, and if you for a year gave £5 a month, we figured that uh, there's a, maybe perhaps 5,000 people in relational mission. If 2,000 people who'd got extra spare cash for £5 a month could sign up for this, it would make a huge, I mean huge difference to the church planting momentum we were able to create. So... I, don't, I want you to just take a photo of it, go away, think about it. It's very easy to do. It takes five minutes to set up. You can cancel it whenever you want. You're not locked into any sort of... It's not, I'm not selling you PPI. Right? There's, no, there's absolutely no compensation either later on. But it will really transform uh, what we want to do in vision into actual terms. Because if there's no money, we can't fulfill the vision. It's as simple as that. So a simple step of courage might be for you today. Say, do you know what? 
I'm going to give that extra cup of coffee and that newspaper, that money from that, I'm going to say no to that, and I'm going to support this once a month for £5. It'll make a massive difference. So let's stand together, and I'm just going to pray for us that the Holy Spirit, who if we're believers this morning, the Holy Spirit is already indwelling you, but I want to pray that he he comes and infills you, that there's a fresh blowing of the Spirit upon your life, We need to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's just lift our hands to him just as an act of sort of surrender to him and an act of awareness and and vulnerability and uh, an act of dependence. And uh, Holy Spirit, we want to thank you that you are the one who transforms ordinary, uneducated, common people into those who when people look at us, they say they can see that we've been with Jesus. Lord, we desire nothing more than that in our lives, that we would remind people of Jesus. What an amazing thing. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you work across this room right now by your Spirit so that there is an infilling of the Spirit of God right now in every hungry heart. Jesus said, if a man or a woman, if if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. And out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit. Listen, folks, if you're thirsty this morning, there is a promise that the Holy Spirit will fill you and outflow from you. This is a promise. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, as we respond to you, as we sing to you, We pray, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. I pray for story after story after story to come from this morning so that this church has trouble on a Sunday morning reigning in all the testimonies because there's so many stories of acts of courage. There's so many stories of people being healed, set free, coming to Christ, uh, financial provision, marriages healed, businesses blossoming. Uh, difficult situations being unlocked by the Spirit. Let it come, Lord. Let it come by the power of your Spirit. We're asking you, Lord, to move now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.